So are, are you seeing all this kind of, it's going to slow down? You're not going to get a get a steady bag again, just kind of right off in the sunset? You've had such a great career. It seems like, you know, you kind of deserve it. Relax. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, if something really great came along, yeah. I would have to really consider it. Uh, Lift I put off a lot of miles, boys. Lots of miles on these legs. Yeah, I bet yeah. you got some serious caddy calves. <laughs> They're not quite someone's gonna take uh, box. Someone's gonna take Sean Warren's money over at St. Cloud now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is Will Wilcox. There you go. There you go. Jim Renner on the 15th hole. His third shot, you bet. All right. All right. I hear something now. Good. Yeah, cool. Joy's fun, Jim, Jim and, and myself. We're all in here. Hey, Jimbo. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hope everything's going well. Oh, yeah. This, you know, just the life of retirement. Yeah, yeah. You, you, well, let, let's save all this for the for the yeah. thing. And, uh, we'll talk about how me and um, Mr. Green both had uh, COVID last week. Good times. Um, oh, yeah. It, oh, anyhow. Geez. You We're sound like you still got a little bit of it, too. Well, my dumbass went to a music festival this weekend, and was that a good idea? No, it was a horrible idea. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I had these tickets, and I really wanted to go, and I wore a mask and, and tried to stay away from people, which is obviously kind of hard. But, anyways, I, uh, <laughs> I'm just aggressive. <laughs> Why not? But my, my favorite bands were playing. I couldn't say no. All right. Um, so I had to see Tool. I saw Stevie Nicks. Um, it was fantastic. I had a great weekend, despite the fact that I had a hundred degree fever. Anyhow, um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get it going. Um, this is episode eighteen of Tear Time, and we're very happy uh, to have Damon Green, a great golfer, great caddy, great dude. He was always so nice to me when I was out on tour, and I'm sure Renner and him had some good exchanges as well. Um, so, uh, uh, Mr. Green, I really, really appreciate you coming on, and I'm glad we got the Zoom figured out. Yeah, me too, and thanks for having me. Love talking to you guys. Yeah, it's been a bit of a while. It's uh, I uh, first time I met you was 2011 when we uh, played uh, nine or whatever holes, 18 that day at the uh, Congressional U.S. Open, and uh, watching you and and Zach work. Uh, was was uh, a big learning experience for me, and I just have always uh, been impressed with not only that relationship, but but your golf game and your life is something that I've always uh, admired a lot too. Uh, how much you know success you've had and and, and all that. So, um, oh, you're yeah. very kind. Well, yeah, we just good, we just tried to dote a on great you. golfer that it turned me into a, a caddy. <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 that, that's kind of how it that's kind of how it happens right like you know you, you give it a heck of a run and then you eventually just fall into it when one of your buddies makes it right that's basically yeah if you're not good enough to get on tour that's either do that or you get in the financial uh sector or real estate or you know all of us old golfers we either we're doing that or we're doing something in finance it seems like so uh that was my my road to the tour was, you know, caddying. So and I, I had a I had a great life doing it. Absolutely have. Um and and you uh you were pretty close to getting your card one year, right? I mean, didn't didn't you have a a decent run at Q school or I know you played two years on the Nike tour. Um, right. But um yeah. so yeah, I the last hole at uh Greenleaf West to miss by one. Uh, one year, 1994, and then in 1995, I was right on the borderline going to the last nine holes, but I was either going to make or was going to miss it by a bunch because missing it by one was a terrible thing to, to do. <laughs> I I you, nightmares. you started going for stuff? Yeah, yeah, I started kind of, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit because I just you know, I still have nightmares about missing by one wake up in a cold sweat, you know? So, oh, uh, yeah. but I mean, that's gotta be something too. I feel like with you caddying, I mean, and you know, having like, you know, the people you've caddied for, 
I mean, you felt that heat, you know what that feels like. So, I mean, that's, I think, a huge advantage and big reason why you're probably such a, such a successful caddy also, wouldn't you think? Well, I, I think it, it's got to help, Jim. Uh, uh, I mean, why wouldn't you have somebody out there that's, that's felt the pressure? And, you know, even though I didn't succeed under the pressure, I know what it feels like and I can see the signs and, I've learned through the years what you have to do to overcome those situations. And, uh, uh, I mean, if, if I had, if you had your choice of somebody that played and somebody that didn't play, why wouldn't you take somebody that played in my opinion, but there's a lot of good caddies that, you know, didn't play. So I don't, you know, it's just kind of a personal thing for a player to have to come up with and deal with. You want somebody that's in more entertainment or do you want somebody that's, more proactive and you know knows what's going on it's a personal preference yeah some somebody that's been there i mean I, i've always liked to have caddies that 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 played and i don't know renner i know you had a, you had a couple of a couple of silly dudes on your bag um you know <laughs> our, our, our boy from uh from maine what, what, you know what what's uh the guy that always stand at our house uh but duff oh yeah duff i mean duff he's just comic going- relief yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, Duff was one of those guys. He's a competitor. And I think that's, I mean, for a lot of guys that I felt like that I've met, especially caddies out on tour, you've got, you know, got a lot of guys that have played, but not many that have played like Damon had played, you know. But, um, you know, you certainly get a competitive bunch. And like you said, there's the guys that you want to have on the bag that have played golf or the, you know, the funny type people and whatnot, like, uh, I had Jojo piling on my bag and I never laughed so hard, you know, having him on the bag. It was impossible. So one of the funniest people I've ever met, you know, oh, so yeah. he kept it yeah. loose out there, but, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. I would imagine, you know, geez, especially, you know, when the majors and stuff like that, having a person that played though, I would think would be a big advantage, um, especially coming down that back nine, I would think. Um, not that I've done that, but it's, you know, coming down those pressure situations, it'd be nice to have a guy that at least had been in the fire there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you got on with, uh, I want to, you know, obviously you had a great run as, as a younger man and, uh, you were born, you're a Pensacola guy, uh, right? Yeah. Pensacola, Florida. Yes, sir. E. Cola. I love that place. Uh, I try to go down there as much as possible. Um, I, I stick to more of the Destin, Panama City, Redneck, Riviera part of it. Um, don't, don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can't beat P. Cola, but, um, but anyhow, um, so you grew up with, uh, with a guy that I um, know well and, uh, and, and Jimmy Green. And are y'all similar in age, I'm assuming? I'm a little older than he is, uh, probably like five years, probably five or six years. Uh, but he was the up and comer kid, you know, out of mobile and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you could beat Jimmy in any of the amateur events, you were doing pretty good. And, you know, I got, I looked up and beat him in a couple and, uh, he was way better than me, but, uh, uh, I guess my age at the time, he was probably 14 and I was 19 or 20. So I could finally beat him. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah some some that's like that's, he was like a bobby wyatt or something those boys i mean were just so good at such a young age um but d- did you go play that mobile country club tournament the um the labor day invitational or was that going on uh, back then? i was never good enough to get in that tournament so uh, I, I didn't get better till it was i was mob in uh like my senior year in school junior year in, in college and by then you know uh, I won like the mobile masters and I won the, uh, uh, it was the club pro series up there. I won the Pensacola country club, uh, club championship. And I won the next, uh, sectional thing that of all the club pros in the area. And then we all met up at the mobile masters. The and, mobile masters. Yeah. <laughs> and I won that and that, I decided after I won that I was good enough to go. I was going to go turn pro, you know. Oh, you're the man then. Oh yeah, and I went. So that was a competitive those... section, huh? Yeah, it was. It was very competitive. Um, Todd Bailey. Todd Bailey, yeah, oh yeah. Todd was there, and with uh, Johnny <laughs> Brown from Mobile, who was a big, 
big time amateur. And, um, but, uh, once I won that, I went and talked to my pro at Pensacola country club and told him I was going to turn pro and go to the mini tours. And he says, you're not good enough to go on the mini tours. They're going to eat you alive down there. Ah, don't you love that? I'm like, what? Really? I thought I was <laughs> Thank, Thanks good. for the confidence boost. <laughs> yeah. This is my club pro. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, I won 78 times on the mini tours. So I just, I guess something like that fires you on and, uh, you get, you get fired up and you want to prove them wrong. So maybe that was the best thing ever happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw all those wins and so you were able to maintain a, a pretty steady lifestyle at that, or were you still kind of, you know, eating ramen and stuff or, or did you have a pretty, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, we, we, there were some lean times for sure. I mean, I think the biggest check I ever made was $7,000. So you can imagine, you know, the mini tours weren't like they were nowadays where you could win what 10 or 15,000. Shoot. When me and Renner turned pro, it was 40. 40. Wow. Yeah. On the Hooters store. Yeah. Our entry fee was like two or 300 bucks and you're also like a thousand, you know? Yeah. It was, it was North of a thousand. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it got ridiculous there for a while in these entry fees. So, but anyway, you know, that's what I did. And then just kept getting better and better and um and then to, uh played two years on the nike tour with not much success and then decided it was probably time to do something else so that was 94 95 that you played uh nike i played 90 95 96 right? 95 that got your got, got through in 94 um, right cool and um I actually, I worked the Nike tour championship in 97. Obviously I would have missed you, but, um, but, uh, so, so Jimmy got through in 96 and played at the PGA tour in 97. Is that right? That is 95, 96. Now I played the golden bear tour 97, 98. So, uh, probably around 98. He probably got through in 97. Uh, I would have to guess, but you caddied for him in that last event, right? And then, and, and right. did well or something. Yeah. Yeah. in uh, mobile there, he called me up and said, I was studying actually to try to get my insurance license. And he called up and said, you know, won't you come caddy for me this week? If I finish in the top five, I'll get my tour card. I went, okay. I get to go home, see mom and dad, you know, Pensacola. I said, I'll do that. So yeah. I went up there and he finished third. And uh, after it was over, so once you just come caddy for me next year on tour, I'm like, okay, sounds better than insurance, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my that was our running joke. If we hit a bad shot on the web.com tour, we'd say, man, we're gonna be selling insurance in no time if we can keep hitting <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. So Ooh. our first tournament was in Hawaii, and Jimmy, seventh place. Not, yeah, not a bad place. Jimmy knocked it in out of the bunk, left bunker there on 18 for Eagle. And I think he Dude. finished top 10. It was seventh, I believe. I looked it up. I think it was seventh. And I think I made $7,500 that week. Yeah. And like, you were rolling. I'm rolling. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Welcome to the PGA Tour. And and um, it, it, that, that was his only year on the tour, right? Oh, Lord, no. Jimmy played uh, many years on tour. Okay. Uh, that was just the only year you caddied for him. Right. That was, yes. That's the only year I caddied. Uh, uh, we were at the finals. I think we lost our card that year and we're at the finals of tour school down in Doral. And, uh, I got a call from Scott Hope while we're yeah. at the finals asking me if I want to come to work for him. Uh, and I'm like, Scott, I'm at the finals with Jimmy. I can't, I'm worried about Jimmy right now, not you. And yeah, we got done and off the phone and, uh, Jimmy says, you're going to work for him. Don't worry if we make it or not. You got to take that job. So uh, he's a cash machine. He was a cash machine. He sure was. And, uh, you know, I was with him for four years and then left him for Zach. Yep. And, um, yeah. And Scott was, uh, he was a uh, Bay Hill guy like yourself, right? Correct. Yeah. And so, I used to for him when I was still playing at Bay Hill and like Disney because he thought I was a good Bermuda grass greens reader. And sure you were. So I, I would uh, caddy for him while I was still playing, which was very helpful. You know, I learned so much about 
course management and all that from him. Uh, I didn't have any idea about that when I was playing. I just, there was a pin on the green and I was shooting at it, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what we had. Me and Rainer wouldn't there. know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> short side, realize, short side, short side. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that tour guys really didn't shoot at that many pins. I was like surprised. And, you know, I just learned so much from him and, and uh, it helped my game tremendously after you know, when I'd caddy for him. So it was good. It was a learning curve there for me. Yeah. And, and, and it got your, your face out there and obviously everybody knew you were a good player. And, um, and then, um, so I, I kind of wanted to touch on Bay Hill for a minute because Renner and I, um, we always joke about uh, Hawk Harrelson a little bit, not, 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 not making fun of him. I assume you've been around Hawk a little bit. Oh yeah. That's where I got yeah. my, my Hawk walk from my chicken walk, my birdie dance. I got that from Hawk. Did you uh, really? Yeah, I remember yeah, hearing that. that at Orange Tree. That's awesome. How'd that all start? Wait, the chicken dance. When yeah. did you decide you were gonna like this is gonna be my dance out here? Yeah, well, it kind of started on the mini tours where uh, when I'd win a tournament. Yeah, uh, <laughs> JC Goosey who owned the Space Coast tour. After I'd yeah. win, said, "Man, you're walking around here like a chicken with his head cut off, peacock, you're all bowed up, and then you know you're looking all proud." And he's peacocking. So, yeah, peacocking, and uh, and then later on, I joined Bay Hill and played the shootout a lot with Hawk. And uh, you know, he used to do his little Hawk walk thing when he'd make a birdie. And uh, I was like, "Man, well, JC is calling me like Chicken Man. Why don't I just kind of incorporate my own kind of a dance, uh, like Hawk?" And uh, so I showed Hawk my my walk one day, trying to copy his walk. It's like, man, your walk's way better than mine. I'm like, no, yours is like legendary, bro. <laughs> uh, he's like, no, I like yours, my yours better. So I kind of started doing it, just messing around uh, when I'd make a birdie, you know, in the mini tours, and <laughs> then I did it on the Nike tour, and uh, people, it just made people laugh, you know. And I just thought golf was so boring that it needed a little, little something else, you know what I mean? It's just. Uh, Amen, so some people like it and some people hate it. And, you know, I just kind of started doing it for victories at first. And then I started doing it for birdies. And uh, later on in my career, I actually started doing it for pars, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> any, any chance we got to break out the chicken dance? Um, do you have any, do you have any good Hawk stories? Cause like Hawk was, was known for like Renner tells the story. Great. Um, we were on the back of the range at orange tree one day and Hawk's back there talking and he's like, he's like, so I'm sitting around and it's, it's me, Jack, Arnie, and Bear Brian, and uh, and and Jack turns to me and he goes, "You know, Hawk, we we just we have to have you at the British Open. It's not a British Open without Hawk Harrelson, and it's Hawk telling the story." And yeah. my jaw's on the floor because I don't know who Hawk is, and oh, I'm okay. like, he's just dropping, as Renner says, the cream of the crop on us. You know what I mean? Like, and but when Hawk tells these stories, he's actually telling the truth, <laughs> and yeah, and. And you know what I mean? He, but he, he, I guess you could call it name dropping, but like when you're actually being serious, is it name dropping? Um, so, so he's just dropping these names and I'm looking at Renner like, who is this dude? And, uh, and so I'm, and he's like, yeah. So Jack tells me I got to play in the British. You got to play in the British. I'm like, did this moron even play in the British that year? Sure enough. He missed the cut by one shot. That's that year. Um, so, I mean, Hawk was a player. I mean, do you, do you have any stories about Hawk, you know, with those big freaking mitts of hands he's got? Oh. And I mean, you've got to have a, a couple of funny ones or at well, least one. Mostly I was, I, I used Hawk more as like a mentorship thing. I think, you know, he, he, uh, I was always picking his brain, trying to, you know, figure out how I could get better. And he used to try to help me get better. And, you know, I was like you, I had no idea who he was at first either until I started listening to the stories and, uh, and, uh, you know, he would just always tell me demon. He says, you got the best pair of hands I ever seen. He says, you need to quit trying to use them and take them out of your golf swing, use them in your golf swing. They're so good that you're, you're missing out on the best part of your whole golf game. And he says, instead of trying to hit it with your body, just use your hands, you know, and 
And he would always love watching me hit wedges because I had the the feel with the, the you know the little nipper hands and uh, it was uh, you know our like most of our stories were playing cards in the back room you know he mm-hmm. could he could tear the whole deck apart with his bare hands you know and yeah and, uh, he was uh, very, quite the competitor and even in the card room and I just loved hanging out with him I still call him to this day just to see how he's doing and. Uh, you know, make sure he's all right. My dad's really just, I love the guy. Yeah. He's, he's hard not to love. He, he was always complimentary in my hands too on the back of the range. Cause I have like a trigger finger on both hands. So my, my, my hands cover the whole grip. And he was just like, that is one powerful grip right there, boy, you need to use that. And I'm just kind of like, and he just kind of strolled up. So I didn't know who he was. And Renner filled me in and I eventually, uh, I have tons of respect for the guy, but, uh, but just yeah. listening, to his, listening to his stories, I was just like, man, this guy, I mean, I've checked all these facts and they're all true. Like this guy's a freaking <laughs> legend. Yeah. Most old people, you think they're telling stories, but his are all true. Yeah. He got, he was telling me about, uh, betting on, uh, Bama, Oklahoma and, you know, the hour before the game starts, uh, uh, Bear Bryant calls me, ca- calls me and says, put the house on us, put the house on us. These boys don't stand a chance. And then, and then Oklahoma wins by, you know, four touchdowns and he loses his ass. Um, uh, but, uh, I was just kind of like Bear Bryant called you an hour before the game started. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, but how about but, Hawk, though? I mean, he's such a trendsetter. And the one thing that's awesome about Hawk is, like, especially the guys that you had back in that era, Dan, which are at Bay Hill. I mean, you had so many great guys, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on of people. But Hawk is certainly one, you know, playing at Orange Street. He'll always give you time. But one of the – correct me if I'm wrong, but he pretty much invented, like, the style of using batting gloves, right? That's in right. Because he was wearing he was golf the first gloves. first one, right. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I used his golf glove out there. Then it turned into this whole thing nowadays. <laughs> so, so, as in, like the the glove, like people played with no glove before. Is that what you're saying? With people played with uh, no glove batting, batting gloves. Yeah. Oh. So he started bringing his golf gloves out there, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" And then that's how like people started then using batting gloves. That's so another exactly. nugget for you there, Willie. That's a good there one. There you go, Willie. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, I mean, the guy was just a hell of an athlete, and, and then obviously he became the color commentator for the what was it the 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 Sox White Sox White Sox, Sox yeah mm-hmm. yeah cool well, I'm I'm glad he's still around and you guys still uh, stay in touch that's really cool um so Jimmy Green you got you you, you went to Jimmy Green and then then Scott Hoke your run with him was outstanding and you had you had a, a good friendship too right you and Scott were buddies. Yeah, matter of fact, I just went out and caddied for him for two weeks on a senior tour because uh, I think he's in the retirement stage also. And I just want to kind of get the band back together one more time before we both ride off into the sunset. You know, we had a you know a really good time together, and uh, both of our skills have diminished a little bit, but uh, it was fun being out there with him. Did you drive the golf cart? Well, we have to caddy nowadays. We can't drive the cart. He 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 walked himself also. So the players can drive the cart. The caddies have to walk nowadays. Okay, well, that it didn't used to be that way, right? It didn't, right? Correct. Used okay. to the caddies could take the cart and the players could walk, but one or the other. But yeah. now the caddies have to uh, tote the bag, unfortunately. So are are you seeing all this kind of? It's going to slow down. You're not going to get a get a steady bag again. Just kind of right off in the sunset. You've had such a great career. It seems like you know you kind of deserve to relax. Yeah, you know, I mean, if something really great came along, I would have to really consider it. Uh, Live a lot of miles, boys. Lots of miles on these legs. Yeah, I bet you got some serious caddy calves. (laughs) <laughs> they're not quite someone's as gonna big take, as the uh, box someone's gonna take Sean Moore's money over at St. Cloud now you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's awesome um so um well I guess we'll we'll talk about some major championships now and and you you mentioned um course management earlier and in 2007 right you won the Masters with Zach it was 07 correct yeah, he won the Masters. I was just carrying a bag. Yeah, you won. Um, and so, but but you guys did not go for a single par five that whole week. I want to know 
on on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That did how how much thought went into that? Was there was there never a chance you guys were going to go for any of those? Well, that's it makes a great story to say we never went for one, but I mean we actually the second hole. Oh you know, well, yeah, yeah. We were trying to hit it down there, you know, kind of the front right part. Um, and we had a number that we could pro- possibly get there, but you don't really shoot at that green anyway. You're trying to shoot it to the right of the green so you can kind of chip up the up the hill there. But uh, uh, no, for the most part, you know, we knew it was going to be cold and windy that week, and we could not reach the par fives. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, we can reach 13, obviously, but you know, you're the you're hitting in like a baseball tee. Uh, yeah it's up at your freaking waist yeah it's waist high so it kind of doesn't make sense to go for it uh and you know he's a big drawer anyway so that side hill line only made it even worse so we just kind of came up with a uh, game plan that week to lay up and on every par five that during the practice rounds i said okay zach here we got we got this apn it's the Say it's the front right pin on 13. What number do you want or where do you want to be for this pin? And we did the back left pin. We did the back right pin. We did the front left pin. And we, and in my yardage book, I just wrote down A, B, C, D. And we want 70 yards of this pin. We want 55 yards of this pin. And we did that on all the par fives. And uh, it just kind of uh, worked out pretty good that, that week. His wedge games was on point, let me tell you. Mm, that bunker shot on the last. So for that back left pin, did you want the shorter number so you could just kind of fly to low end in there and then for the front right, a longer number type thing? Like, how did that work? So the back left pin, we tried to shoot it down the right-hand side uh, and get it down there as far as we could so we could kind of shoot up the slope. and hit yeah, like, like a, a skipper in there. Yeah. Yeah. We could hit it short of the slope and then one hop up and stop up top. That was the game plan there. So, uh you know, it worked out pretty good that week. I think he made 11 birdies out of 16. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty darn impressive. That bunker shot in the last hole was no slouch either. Um, and um, and then you guys go over and, I mean, the, the career was so long. And y'all, I mean, I, I love the, I mean, just even that Chevron World Challenge over at um, oh, Sherwood. Yeah. How about that hole oh, out? Oh, that was, that that was, was incredible. A bit, yeah, it was incredible. There was a story leading up to that that's even funnier. Uh, Love to hear it. Yeah, we had laid up on the 16th hole, par five. We're playing with Tiger. Tiger, of course, hits it in two with a, probably a five iron up around the green. So we lay up. We got like it's a front pin. We got like 78 yards. Zach wedges it to like two feet. Tiger gets up and down left of the green. We tie him on that hole. So we're walking to the next hole, and Tiger comes over to him and goes, hey, D. He says, so that's why y'all laid up at Augusta, because he wedges it like that all the time. <laughs> Little did he know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Tiger, we laid up because we can't reach the damn greens like you. That's why we <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're target golfing, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we get to the 18th hole. We're all tied. and uh, Tiger's in the left rough, and we're, of course, and uh, we're waiting on the group ahead of us to finish. And the 18th hole is kind of an amphitheater kind of around the green. And I bet there's 15,000 people around the green. And uh, we're sitting in the fairway. And, and Zach goes, hey, D, he said, how cool is this? He says, we're with the greatest player of all time in the last group. And we've got all these people surrounding us. How cool is this? And I'm, man, I said, yeah, this is, this is about as good as it gets, you know. Uh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Tiger hit a shot in that, that right bunker. And before Zach and I could even talk about the shot, like we always did, he snatched the eight iron out of the, the bag and hit it and shanked it in the water. And he's all disappointed and looks at me. And I look at him and I'm like, Zach, I said, it ain't that cool right at this moment, is it? <laughs> <laughs> did, did he find that funny? How did he react to that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he kind of started laughing a little bit. So we walked down to the drop area. And I'm like, Zach, you got like 54 yards. I said, Tiger cannot get this ball up and down. It's impossible. I said, you land this shot three yards short. It's going to take one hop and it's going to stop right next to the hole. 
and we're going to go into playoff with him. And then I just kind of nudged him in the shoulder. And I said, why don't you just go ahead and knock it in? Just messing around like that. Yeah. And then come to find out, you know, he knocks the dang thing in the hole. And uh, as we're walking up, the green tiger comes over and just starts now, looking at me with a shitty grin on his face. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, that look was classic. <laughs> oh, it was so good. And then Tiger gets it up and down. And uh, impossible shot. And we go to a playoff, and Tiger hit it in the same bunker again. And uh, the y'all said, flag. Right, Zach, hang on here a second, Zach. Let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Slow down. <laughs> Slow down, pal. <laughs> Let's hit this thing in the middle of the green, you know. So, anyway, we end up winning. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, would you? Does that? I mean, obviously, then the win that uh, I mean, y'all had eleven victories, I believe, right? Um, uh, he I, had no, we had twelve. Oh, twelve. They, okay. they don't count. He had thirteen, but they don't count Ch- Chevron. Chevron as a win, so he. I guess they're officially giving him twelve. Gotcha. And and it was uh, the British Open at uh, St Andrews uh, that had to be pretty daggum special too. That was unbelievable. It really was. Yeah. I mean, and that what, that playoff was that Mark Leishman, yourself, and uh, you guys, and then who, who's the third in all? Some little guy called Louis Oosthuizen. Oh, okay. Is he good? Little Louis there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is, he, is, he, is he a sweet swinger or what? Ooh, man, is he sweet. Man. I, was, I was so worried about him. Uh, Leishman kind of looked like a deer in headlights. He looked like he was – we didn't have to worry too much about him, but that Louis, no, loose, uh, Leishman. Oh, really? Yeah, he was and kind of like, like he's such a flighter you know, too. You think he'd be cool? Yeah, he just looked like he was so nervous on the first tee, and uh, but Louis, man, I, I knew if we could beat Louis, we we're going to be in pretty good shape. And you guys made that really nice birdie on the first hole. We did. Yeah, and then we birdied the second hole. Luckily, we had the same putt in the playoff that we had in regulation. Exactly the same putt. Zach knocked that one in. And so we were, I think Louie birdied the first hole also. So we were one up going to uh, the road hole, which would be our would have been our third playoff hole. You hit the fairway there. That that's a wacky tee ball. I, I played the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy, and that's the only time I played the old course. But it's unreal. You got to like hit it. I mean, way right there to find the fairway. Oh yeah, and you know, Zach's not necessarily a fader of the ball, so it usually would end up over there to the left somewhere. Yeah, and then you got that road hole bunker staring at you. That's that was the hole that. I was, I've never been more nervous in my life caddying that was on that hole uh, in that playoff because we had hit our approach shot uh, left of the road hole bunker and the pin was over the bunker. Yeah. And both of those two guys that hit it on the front right part of the green. And that, as you know, that's a 80, 70, 80 foot putt probably. And I, and I had a pretty good idea that they weren't going to be able to two putt and we had a couple of options. We could have tried to chip it, chip it left of the bunker and try to get up and down for bogey. We could try a flop shot off of the hardest hard pan you'd ever felt in your life. Uh, or we could, uh, go to the right and, and, uh, you know, Zach and I talked it through and, he was kind of wanting to hit the flopper. And that was the least of my choices. <laughs> because there's a couple of things that can happen. You know, he can drop kick it and bone it over the green out of bounds. He can chunk it in the bunker. And, and I didn't want to put any negative thoughts in his head. So I said, yeah, Zach, I love it. You know, like, okay. And he started taking these practice swings. And the thing was like you're hitting on asphalt. It was like padook, padook. I was like, so I crossed my fingers, I crossed my legs. <laughs> I said, you know, that's that's the shot, Zach. And he, you know, he kind of boned it slightly and it went over the green and we got up and down for bogey. And then 
three-putted the last hole to win. And then it was yeah. And that those boys three-putted. Yeah, they both three-putted. So we had a one-shot lead going to the last hole, and luckily nobody birdied it. This episode of Tier Time is brought to you by Red Rooster Golf. Here's one of the most underrated pieces of equipment in the game, a buttery soft golf glove. I love slipping on a fresh, perfectly fitting glove on the first tee. It's such a great feeling and it sets the proper tone for the round. A good fitting quality glove is something we tour pros used to take for granted because we got four to five every week. They were practically disposable. Now that we've got to pay for our gloves, they are no less important. So that got our buddy and former PGA Tour pro Brad Fritch to develop an innovative new venture called Red Rooster Golf. They make tour quality golf gloves at fair prices, delivered by flexible subscription exactly when you need them. And here's the best part. When you buy a glove, they give a glove to youth golf. How cool is that? I saw Red Rooster launch through Kickstarter last year, one of the few golf brands to have success in crowdfunding. More than a thousand backers and raised over $75,000. Great for them. I love so many things about this company at Red Rooster Golf. First, the gloves are badass. As good as any of the top brands, super soft Cabretta leather and really durable. They offer a wide range of styles from classic pearl white options to subtle tones to bold colors. You can purchase the gloves on their own or sign up for their flexible subscription service and save. Get a glove every month or every quarter, pause, increase, decrease, you're in control. But the subscription is really where it's at. Most golfers don't know where their next glove is coming from. So when a fresh new glove arrives in the mail, it's a great reminder that your current glove needs to rotate to the practice squad. They're also selling what's called the glove compartment. Love that name. It's a glove case to keep those beautiful gloves flat and dry so they last longer. Right now, they're offering a 40% discount on your first glove plus glove compartment with any subscription. You'll find that right on the homepage at redroostergolf.com. But if you just want to give one of their gloves a spin before you commit to a subscription, no sweat. That makes perfect sense. We've got a special 20% discount for y'all. Enter coupon code TIER20. That's TIER and the number 220 at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your first purchase. So visit my pal Brad and the team at Red Rooster Golf and wake up that golf glove game. Stay dear. Dear time listeners, what's up? We are excited to announce that Sub70 is our newest sponsor. I've been playing their clubs for six months. I just absolutely uh, can't get enough of them. The apparel's awesome. The clubs are great. The hats are sick. Anyway, Sub70 is excited to announce that their brand new 659 forged irons are now available, featuring three distinct models, a cavity back, a tour cavity, and a muscle back. The 659 series is a fantastic option for any low to mid handicap player. By utilizing a direct-to-consumer business model, Sub70 is able to sell custom-built, high-quality equipment at roughly half the cost of other brands. How about that? The 659 series starts at $654 for a six-piece iron set. Sub70.com. Expectations redefined. Dear Time is super stoked to have ChicagoGolfApparel.com hop on board as a sponsor. In the last five years, these guys have dabbled in the merch game, but they're mostly known for their original Chicago golf towel, their big cash scrambles, and their junior golf programs local to Chicago. These guys are paying it forward and helping the kids, so you got to love that. These guys are starting to drop some of the sickest head covers in the game, selling worldwide. Each of their new designs have their own collection of products, primarily focusing on driver head covers, fairway head covers, putter head covers, tour towels, and ball markers. Some of the products will remain in their store at all times, but some of them are just a one-time limited release, so hop on that. They will release over 100 new products in just 2022 alone. Chicago Golf is big on collaborations, though, and they have some big ones dropping with some big brands that you're all definitely familiar with, and most of their designs are made to capture the heart and soul of Chi-Town. We've seen that from some of their designs so far, like their White Castle one. That one's sick. You can check these guys out by visiting chicagogolfapparel.com. That's chicagogolfapparel.com. And be sure to find them on social as well as Chicago Golf. Stay dear, everybody, and cheers, Chicago Golf. 
Yeah, one and 18. Those are some nice tee balls to be hitting under pressure because, I mean, 18 is <laughs> yeah. a little more screwy, but, but you know, as long as you just, you know, can hit it in a place where a couple 747s can land, you're good. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, just try not to hit it in the, in the San Andrews Club. But um, that's really, really cool. I, uh, you know, that's just uh, winning there. Is is just got to be incredible. Did, did you break out the uh, the chicken dance there a couple times? Or did you try? To oh yeah, you, you didn't see it. I was, oh no, yeah, the first it. hole playoff you did. I did it right there on eighteen in the regulation, and then yeah, I did it afterwards also. I was gonna say you probably did it a little bit that night. I'm sure, right? Well, yeah. Matter of fact, we didn't have a chance to really have a great party because when we got finished an agent came up and said there's one seat left on the private jet going home with Zach. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I certainly do want to save 10,000. Yeah. So, uh, I had to run straight afterwards to the apartment. I was staying in, pack up, come back and we headed to the airport and, um, uh, we had a huge jet, uh, Jordan Spieth, Webb Simpson, Jimmy Walker, Duffner. Uh, there was 14 of us. Zach's wife. That was the only British Open she'd ever been to. And he wins. Wow. Uh, so we had quite a celebration on the way home. And, uh, you know, Zach fell asleep on the floor of the plane holding the claret jug. And uh, I mean, it's just very memorable. It wasn't a great blowout party, but it was just, you know, um, the, memories, the memories that were made were great. It had to been pretty surreal, though. You're up in the jet, like everything's like a whirlwind, and you're like, man, I just won the British Open. <laughs> you know, we just won the British Open, you know, at the old course. It's like, that's just got to be, that's, what was that like when that just like hit you? I guess. Oh, I still, like, Jim, I did interviews for like, I don't know, two months afterwards. And I cried after, during every interview. It just meant so much. I got chill bumps right now thinking about it. I mean, that's where golf started. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. And, you know, wanting to practice on the putting green when you're a kid, you know, making this to win St. Andrews or the U.S. Open. and All the emotions just, just hit you while you're thinking about it. Yeah, pretty pretty special place to get it done. I mean, just, I mean, between Tiger and John Daly and, you know, I, obviously all the, the history there. I'm, my roommate in college works for the RNA, so I just I have such a huge respect for Lynx Golf and, you know, Zach's game is just so money for it. But, um, well, who, who'd you um, – oh, yeah, uh, the and, and Renner, Renner's got to get on the road shortly and we don't want to keep you too much longer. But um, I want to talk about that uh, – the one summer that you did so well in the um, senior U.S. Open, um, uh, yeah. you were like mid caddy, full steam ahead still. And you fin- did you finish like eighth or something, or was it tenth or something? Well, I ended up finishing thirteenth. I was in fourth place with six holes to go, and I bogeyed four of my last six holes, which and they were good bogeys too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wasn't playing easy. <laughs> I was choking, you know, pretty, pretty bad there coming down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible uh, to not hardly. I mean, I'd play golf when I'd come home maybe two days a week. Yeah. Uh, but it's, to be able to do that, uh, yeah, I think Stevie Williams told me one time it was one of the greatest stories in golf uh, at the time. I agree. And, and that's and, why I've always been like, this guy is a total legend. Not only were you very nice to me when we were on tour, but when you, when you did that and I was like, I'm surely he hasn't been practicing. He's been caddying. Um, well, the thing that the week before I had uh, qualified for the British senior open. Wow. Uh, so usually I would caddy the, the week of the British open and the senior open was always the following week. So I would leave straight from caddying for Zach and I'd go to wherever the Monday qualifier was. And uh, usually I hadn't, wasn't able to see the course because I've been caddying, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I had a caddy that knew the course and he was a tour caddy and he told me where to hit it. And I think I shot 66, got in. Uh, so I had played the whole week before 
my first senior open over here. So that kind of, you know, and I made the cut and, you know, I got paired with SAO Aoki the first two rounds. That was pretty awesome. Man, he's got to move. Yeah. And uh, so I was just, you know, in, in a little bit of form coming into that. And, uh, uh, you know, I just got got on a roll. It was it was so much fun. And you made the cut. Did you make the cut in that uh, senior British? Yes. Yeah. So I had played wow. four days, you know, in a row competitively just to kind of get the rust off. And uh, then uh, I think on Sunday of the our, our senior open, I was six under and I was flipping up the leaderboard. Every birdie, blip, 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 yeah. all the way up to, to fourth. And then I said, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> this could be the greatest sports story of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, oh, I felt like so. On that, are you relying on caddy a little bit? Uh, well, what's you know, like, my, what's, the, what's the mindset? I guess there because it's like got to be, you know, obviously you're a player first, then you're a caddy, but then back to being a player in that position. Are you like thinking like, what would I be telling Zach out here, or are you just yeah. kind of going with the flow here? Yeah, I didn't do anything that I would tell Zach to be doing because I was, uh, I was like, I'm just trying, trying to win. But yeah, and. uh so I don't know. I mean, my, my, you know, my caddy, he's, he's my, been my, uh, teammate in golf for many, many years. He's not really a caddy. He's just a good friend and, uh, Doug, my buddy, Doug. And, uh, so he just, I said, your job is just to tell me I'm good all week. I'll take care of all the other part. You just say, these guys can't beat you. That's all I want to hear. You're the man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, I was just <clears throat> always blown away, and I, I've told that story many times. I'm like, not only does he win all these tournaments with these great players, but he actually is, you know, he he gets into majors and and kicks ass. It's amazing, and uh, just I've always had such a huge respect for that. And yeah, and actually, a little cherry on top check. Yeah, that got me into the senior open the next year, and then I birdied three of my last five holes the next year to finish seventeenth. So. Uh, but I think I made 33,000 in that one. And uh, Zach had arranged for me to fly with Tom Watson from the senior open to John Deere to catch the charter to the British. And I just beat Tom Watson in the tournament. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking he's going to charge me for this flight. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not very cheap, these private jets. No, no, so, they're not. <laughs> So I'm trying to sit in the back and act like Tom Watson don't even know I'm there. And his caddy's trying to make small talk between me and Tom Watson. And uh, Tom said, well, how'd you do today, son? I said, uh, I shot 68. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, just up to the, his caddy, just shut up. I don't want him to think I'm here. I don't want him to charge me or whatever. Just let us get there. So we... We finally land at the FBO at John Deere and we watched Zach Johnson win the tournament on the TV. And, you know, I made 33,000. It cost me 55,000 not being on the bag for Zach when he won. So that was. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Yeah. I remember Todd Bailey. Todd finished good in the senior uh, open a couple of years ago and, and, you know, made a quick 40 grand. I was happy to see that. And I mean, what do you attribute like the fact that, you know, obviously you, you didn't get through the Nike tour and get your didn't get your PJ tour car. But now that you're, you know, in the, in the senior ranks and you play so well, is it just, is it the length of course or just a different mindset or, you know, you just so much wiser. Like what, what yeah. do you think you play so well at, at this stage? Well, I think, uh, one, I'm in a lot better shape than a lot of those old people at the time I was caddy and you know what I mean? They were, they were, I was young 50. I felt good. Um, I learned so much caddying. I learned you ain't got to be perfect. Yep. I thought they were all perfect till we got out there. You start caddying I'm like, damn, I've hit shots like that before. I mean, they ain't that good. Their mm -hmm. better shots may have been better, but their, their worst shots were, you know, just as bad as some that I would hit. And, um, course management, um, just, I felt comfortable. You know, I didn't feel comfortable when I was younger mm -hmm. uh, and being around winning some of the bigger tournaments, uh, you know, I just felt more 
comfortable playing then as I, you know, when I was younger and I felt, you know, that's, that's the big part of playing good golf on tour is being able to overcome the crowd, overcome yeah. playing, hitting balls next to Tiger Woods, you know, just doing all that stuff. And I've been paired with Tiger four days in a row, you know, so those kind of things, uh, just, I felt like, you know, Hey, I belong out here. Yeah, being being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Um, right, that's something right. That, that exactly. always that's a good saying right there. Mm-hmm. That's a Mike Dunphy. Um, but uh, well, cool. Yeah, I I really appreciate you. Uh, you know, giving us some great stories, and you know, we know a lot of the same people, so I think it was pretty pretty organic and um this was this was really cool and i hope you're feeling better um we we both had covid last week so we're we're fighting like warriors right now i still got a little uh little crud in my throat are you feeling better are you you back to normal energy wise and everything uh i've got just a little bit of the crud uh still not 100 percent uh energy wise but uh no it's uh it wasn't near as bad as i thought it was gonna be yeah, same here. It was it was like three days of kind of a pain in the ass. But, right, exactly. Um, well, cool. Well, Mr. Green, thank you so much. All right, guys. Jim. Yes, thank buddy. you so much. Thank you, buddy. Good hope come see us. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll donate to you guys, Sherm, you know, over there. <laughs> All, All right, come like Bay Hill sometime. Well, all right, Mr. Green, have a good day, brother. All right, guys, thanks. Yep. All right, take care. Bye-bye. That was awesome. Well, he's uh... – He's an awesome dude. He's got a really cool story, too. I mean, pretty, like, unique story that not many people know the full stint of. But you start, like, kind of talking about it. It's like, man, like, I mean, the guy was such a good – he still is an awesome player. But it's like, he's just one of those guys, man. I mean, he's just been so good for so long at being an unbelievable caddy and then being an unbelievable player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's – uh He's the guy that I've always been like, I mean, he's he's just not your average caddy. He's just got so much, you know, t- layers that you need to peel back just to, to find out, like, you know, what a just force in the game he's been for so long. So I just, uh, I'm really glad that he said yes and came on here. So it's, uh, it, it, was, it was a great conversation. I hope everybody, everybody enjoyed yeah, the way awesome. we did. Yeah, no, for sure. That was awesome. All right. That was episode 18 of Deer Time with Jim Renner and myself, Willie Wilcox. Damon Green uh, was a great guest. He's just an amazing caddy and dude and player. And um, I'm just so glad that he came on and gave us some good stories. And Renner and I are going to talk about the lib tomorrow. Uh, we we're a little bit of pre- a little bit pressed for time today, so we didn't get to talk about this uh live madness but um we're gonna do it tomorrow everybody stay dear and thank you for listening see you